This is Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Well, good day, Greg. Here we are, Talk is Sheep, episode number 109, and uh, we're at the Super Bowl of freaking wild sheep, like Sheep Week, amazing, eh? Yeah, that was uh, it was good to be back in person and have the full show. And you know, last year was a little bit watered down, and the year before that was canceled. So it's it's good to see all those faces and let loose a little bit for a week. Well, lots of energy too, right? And uh, you just everything's buzzing, the floor is buzzing, and uh, really cool that we we're actually able to record these ones at Sheep Week in person. And this is a first for us; we've never done it before, so. I'll look for some feedback on that from our listeners. If it's good, bad, or indifferent, and uh, if it's if it's good, we'll try and do more of it. And if it's bad, well, <laughs> probably won't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, you got you got four bad ones to listen to. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty cool. It's it was fun doing a sheep week. There's just so much energy, and um, you know, people are coming by, checking it out, and we were recording, and yeah, it was just a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing it. So yeah, definitely, definitely added a little bit of flavor to things, and. Hopefully the noise in the background is not too bad and people can feel the energy that we were living. Yeah, um, and what a good show. I think massive records uh, broken on a lot of stuff. These tags have been going at all-time highs, a number of them. What did the BC tag end up uh, going for, Greg? It was uh, 270,000. So what's that? Like 360 Canadian. Like that's a good chunk of change. Yeah, it's fantastic. It wasn't a record, but it wasn't far off it. And uh, we've seen Alberta break their record. They blew it out of the water there. And they had their uh, minister of basically minister of forestry down there. And uh, really cool that he was there to promote it. And they did a thing where you could shoot a ram 365 days a year. You can shoot basically, it was an unlimited number of days you could shoot it for a year. Yeah. And even in their, I guess they have some bow only zones and you can use a rifle there if you wanted to as well. So it's, it just, added to the price for them. I did phenomenal. Yeah. So good to see that, uh, you know, people are thinking outside the box and there's governments out there that, you know, are trying to do the right thing and raise some money for, uh, wildlife and conservation. And yeah. So just a great sheep week, lots of great memories, great vibes. And, uh, this was a great podcast. Uh, I think you were tied up for this one. Oh, were you on this one with, uh, I was with on Glenn with Glenn. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So, we, like I said, we did four of them, and I know you were busy throughout the show, and we only had so many headsets, too, so there was the one you unfortunately had to sit out. But uh, what, what a great guy, Glenn Landers. He's, Glenn is the chairman of the Wild Sheep Foundation. He sits on their board of directors. He's uh, the, at the helm of the ship there, and Wild Sheep Foundation is just doing fantastic work in the conservation world. Yeah, I think we, uh, we helped him out a bit, gave him a little bit of break to come on the podcast, take a step back for an hour from all his duties while he's down there. Seemed happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. And, and he got to sit down and talk about the work that the foundation's doing. And, uh, you know, some really big projects out there. You know, British Columbia has benefited greatly from the work the foundation's done, and so has many other jurisdictions with wild sheep. But, uh, their grant aid process, there was $250,000 U.S. they approved for Northern Burns, and then a further 100000 that they approved for three other separate projects, our Fraser River Project, uh, Kamloops Lake, as well as uh, 10000 for the BC Sheep Summit. So just fantastic support from the foundation. We've worked closely with them for years and just grateful for that relationship. 
but you know we were b- benefactors but a bunch of others too i think they said 1.25 million dollars in grant aid funding for conservation projects 15 separate projects across the landscape and phenomenal work and that's just one of their buckets they have a whole bunch of other buckets too that they fund um previously they were saying six million dollars uh, a year for grants and for uh these uh sheep tags and a whole bunch of other stuff and i think that number is going north this year with all the the great work that uh, fundraising that was being done yeah, it's, yeah, should be some extra cash flowing around after the, all the record breaking this past week. Yeah, pretty cool. So, um, yeah, what do we got on the books? So, I guess I, uh, my thoughts are: if you've never been to Sheep Week, go to Sheep Week. If you want to taste the Sheep Week, uh, come check out our two fundraisers. We've got our Northern on February third, fourth, Kamloops March tenth and eleventh. What was your first Kamloops show like? I, I know, I've heard you talk about it, and you speak pretty highly of it. So. Uh, it was amazing. That's kind of why I'm here. Kamloops sucked me into the sheep world, and if you, even if you're not into sheep hunting, it's you're not going to get a room full of better people. Like you got to go, go experience it, learn something, don't learn something, meet new friends. Like it's, it's the place to be. I think I, I can't say enough good things about it. I tell everybody they need to go. I'll buy people tickets, but got to go. Yeah, yeah, right on. So uh, we do have tickets available for both our fundraisers still. Um, we're doing a cool new thing for our uh, Northern fundraiser. We have the Friday night kickoff party from Tearsman Gary. You heard from Tanner on the last podcast with us. Uh, we've got that event going on. So they're going to premiere their new film, Through Our Eyes. It's a conservation film about caribou. Uh, but that Friday night kickoff party is going to be a blast. The Northern is just off the charts. And now we've added another Friday night, which is going to be a lot of fun. I think people are really going to enjoy it. Uh, we got backpack races. We've got uh, with your ticket, you get an appy and some drinks, and um, a whole bunch of raffles, giveaways, just you name it. So, we got a great night in store for you. Thanks to Frontiersman Gear for sponsoring that. And uh, yeah, if you need some tickets, head over to WildSheepSociety.com, and uh, you can go to uh, either our, our events part and go to Kamloops Convention Northern Fundraiser and get some tickets while they last there I think we're cutting off to ticket sales here in about three or four days so for Cam or sorry for the Northern Fundraiser so don't mess around anything else buddy no I think that covers her off pretty good so with that we're going to hear from uh, what do we say Ram Slam what's his what's his handle on Insta there yeah Ram Slam 1052, I believe. There you go. And that's probably the number, uh, what slam he was. I, I never asked him that, but that's probably the truth. I know Glenn's got a couple of Fanaz, or one Fanaz we talk about on the podcast. So Ram Slam 1052, Glenn Landris, Chair of the Wild Sheep Foundation, and yours truly, Kyle Stelter, Greg Rensmeg, Talk is Sheep, Episode 109. Enjoy. Across Canada and throughout the world, if you come across a campfire in the woods, on a mountaintop, or next to a river, you'll find warm company and friendly people gathered around. Regardless of your lifestyle or place you call home, we invite you to learn more about what it means to be a hunter in the modern era. If you love the outdoors, care about where your food comes from, and are concerned for the future of wildlife and the environments that they need to survive, pull up a seat. We have a story to tell. Welcome to our campfire. Here we are. We're sitting at the Wild Sheep Society BC booth at Sheep Week 2023 with the man, Ram Slam 1052. We've got Glenn Landris, chair of the Wild Sheep Foundation with us. Thanks, Glenn. 
Hey, you bet. Good to see you. Great to have you. Got uh, Greg Rensmeg, our secretary, co-hosting today. So, uh, hey, man, Sheep Week is buzzing. Let's talk about it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're sitting here a Friday morning. Uh, we've ramped up this week. We're really looking for some big crowds. Uh, all of our, our pre-registrations going to be setting a record. Our donation value is going to be setting a record. And, uh, you know, we're looking at some amazing auctions tonight. Friday night, Saturday night's the big ones, right? Get some big tags going, and we're going to raise a bunch of money this week for Wild Sheep. So we, we sat in a board meeting uh, yes, Tuesday, and then we had the membership meeting today. And uh, our president CEO, Gray Thornton, was talking some big numbers. Records across the board, it sounds like, on everything, eh? Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, the Thursday night dinner, conservation night, I, I mean, that that's bigger than what Saturday night used to be, wow. right? I mean, so, yeah, it's, it's really exciting, and uh, we're going to see how it plays out. But, I mean, the crowds, we're still fighting a little bit of weather. Some airline issues might keep people away, but everybody here, I think, is fired up and ready to get after it. Well, there's lots of energy on the floor, and, and I guess, to be honest, kind of take away the pandemic word, uh, it was a little bit weird that you know around that, but aside from that, there's just always this energy on the floor, and it's back. It's it's you can feel it here. I think so. Yeah, there's a nice lineup of people waiting to get in this morning, which is good to see for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I just came by registration, and you know both of the lines just for the day passes are are way out, you know, uh, into the foyer there. So hmm. I, it's going to be big, man. It's going to be big. Well, you talked about the Thursday night being bigger than what our Saturday used to be. It might have been because of the MC last night. That might have been one of the factors. I don't know. But. Well, that's what I'm going to attest it to for sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we just had amazing guy at the mic last night. Uh, but actually, you know, is there a – I know you're up tonight, for Friday night, MCing, Legacy night, uh, but Conservation night. I mean, it, it, there's not a better night to stand up there and talk about what we're doing and talk about what we need to do. And we have a lot of work in front of us. Um, working with our chapters and affiliates as well. But, yeah, there's just a lot of work to be done to benefit Wild Sheep and our, our mission. Shoot, man, I was thinking this, like, we'll keep this nice and short, but you start talking and, like, yeah, we got to talk about the conservation work. we got to talk, talk about what's happening here this week. There's so many things we got to talk about. But uh, I guess, uh, well, and, you know, you're the chair of the Life Member Breakfast. Life Member Breakfast is bigger than what Saturday used to be. That thing, that's, that's one of our biggest success stories, I think, isn't it? Well, I think it is, and um, even though I've been chair of it for the last five years or so, I mean, really, the credit to that uh, comes to the, the board before us and uh, getting La Pomosa and Emilio Rangel to, to donate that La Pomosa desert hunt. Got to be in the room. You know, the life member breakfast used to be 225 people. I mean, I'll be honest, I never went to it until they started giving away sheep hunts. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the extrinsic reward of... Having a chance to win a sheep hunt, I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm a sheep hunter, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just it's huge. We're you know we're expecting about 900 people there. Amazing, amazing uh, keynote speaker. We have uh, retired Colonel Charles Hartford, and uh, he's going to talk about some prisoner of war um, excursions that he's had. And in addition, he's a, she a sheep hunter. I mean, he he took his first ram. Was kicked out of the lesson one club. Uh, with the ram he, he harvested this fall in the Yukon. So uh, a hero, already a life member of Wild Sheep, and a sheep hunter. So he's going to put on an amazing presentation for us. You know, we, that's the one event we, we reach out to our membership to help underwrite. Yeah. And we have the, the patron sponsor program for $1,000. can help underwrite that. does give you another chance into that La Pomosa drawing. Um, and we had 70 people 
come forward. So we have 70,000 help underwrite that event. Oh, wow. That's yeah. incredible. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just going to be – we have an amazing uh, couple of raffles that we have going when people come in the door, hat raffles. Last year, what was it, Kyle? We sold 500 hats in 18 minutes or something like that? It was that? 25, 23 minutes. 23 yeah. minutes. Pandemonium yeah. at the front. <laughs> yes, yeah. So we have that again. So, you know, fully donated, Sitka gear, Cryptic, Stone Glacier, Kuyu, Barney Sports Chalet. Uh, so 50 bucks for a hat, and then it gets you into a respective $1,000 floor credit drawing uh, when you come in the door. But, yeah, so I'm, before people even have a chance to get their bacon and eggs, you know, we've sold over $20,000 worth of hats, you know, if it's going to go to our mission. So, and new this year, we have a, we're going to give away a Weatherby Thinhorn uh, edition rifle. So a hundred bucks a ticket. We're going to sell 200 of those, another 20 grand. That's a sweet setup, man. That, and it's, it's not even off the assembly line. Like it, whoever wins it, it's going to be the first one out there, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Really we're going to cool. have one there. To, to show off, to sell tickets, but then it, it'll get shipped direct to them. Yeah, know, very the cool. Yeah, cool raffle. And, you know, your leadership on that is is really cool. And I, there's a bunch of Sheep Week stuff I probably want to touch on. But let's talk about you. You've come to the helm now. You've been on the board now for, I think, six and a half years or seven and a half? Six and a half, yes. Yeah, so, and I came on the board and, and I, you've kind of mentored me. I've, I've learned so many things from you. Um, I don't want to go too deep in the weeds uh, but, uh, you know, just a ton of respect, Glenn. But your leadership, uh, you know, you came on as chair this year. And, uh, you know, you got a lot of vision, a lot of energy, and it's pretty exciting. So let's talk about some of the things you're talking about. I, I get inspired. I was inspired this morning when you did your speech again. So, <laughs> Well, thank you. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of synergy going on right now with, within our board. We have a diversified group that's just got a lot of experience, a lot of chapter and affiliate experience. And, so with that, you know, in my time on the board, you know, there's always some ups and downs and some challenges with that. But it just seems like we're in a position now where you know, it's time to focus on the mission. And, and, and I'd say a lot, we need to get out of our own way. Sometimes we get in our own way. Uh, but we just have amazing membership, amazing membership growth, our donors, our exhibitors, um, our partners uh, in chapters and affiliates, state agencies, et cetera. Um, there's, there's no excuse, right? I mean, we're really proud of what we do, but at the same time, we have a lot of work in front of us. And so, you know, let's, let's raise some money. And as I said last night, you know, that, that Sheep Week doesn't end Saturday night. It really yeah. begins. Our work begins uh, after this Sheep Week is over with, and, and we can really start focusing on uh, our next grant and aid cycle and mission, mission funding. So. Right on. So with the foundation, with the boards, when I've been involved with different not-for-profits, you know, you get a new chairman and there's kind of a change in direction or, or they, they put their stamp on things, right? Not, you know, obviously don't take the organization in a totally different direction. So, you know, you've mentioned some of the stuff that, that's front of mind for you. What, what are some of those things for our listeners that you could share with us? Yeah, you bet. I, first and foremost, we have to do a better job telling our story. I mean, if people don't know, if our members or the public, if they don't know where we're spending their money, that's on us. It's yeah. not on them. We have to tell our message better. We have to have better messaging uh, across all platforms. Uh, and, and when we do a better job of that, and I'm going to pat you guys on the back, Wild Sheep Society of BC, I think you guys do a tremendous job. Uh, and, and then, it, you know, that just snowballs. You're going to get more support. So telling our story better, figuring out better ways to do that, 
uh, and uh, like I said, across all platforms, and that makes everybody's job easier. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll use the example we were just talking about patron sponsors for the Life Member Breakfast. If we can show our membership and you know potential membership what that thousand dollars can do, you know, why can't we have a hundred patron sponsors, right? Yeah. So, uh, so we have to tell our story. Um, you know, I think uh, you know, just thinking big. You know, let's. Let's let's look out on the horizon. I like to talk about, you know, get to that 30,000 foot view, figure out where we need to go and then what it's going to take to get there and then just make it happen. I mean, that's I, I'm just a, I'm an action oriented kind of guy. Um, I probably would make a terrible biologist because, I mean, there's a place for studies, but then there's a time for action, you know, and so we're excited about that. So awesome. I, th I think that's my top priority that, that I talk a lot about. Right on. So you've kind of had a mantra or a slogan or a saying that you've been using when you came on as chair. So you share that with us today, or are you going to be uh, PG? Uh, oh, no. Uh, I mean, do we have the beep ready so you can uh, beep oh, over? You, you, you're, you're good here. We'll put the explicit <laughs> little <laughs> checkbox on. That's great. Uh, yes, do epic shit. Right on. Do epic shit. Yeah. I, you know, th there's just so many opportunities, so many fronts, and we can find reasons not to do something. And it's actually a phrase I use with my students uh, back home is you either make excuses or you make it happen. Mm. It's up to you. So no excuses. Let's figure out what the problem is and figure out a solution and do epic shit for Wild Sheep. Awesome. Yeah, inspiring, man. Um, so on that vein, there's been some changes in our grant aid process. And, um, you know, I'm hearing you say those words and then I hear a guy like Gray Thornton, our CEO and president, he starts saying stuff like that, um, you know, while well, he's he does the do epic ship shit thing, but he also is talking about uh, thinking big and being bold. Um, so there's been a change in, in how we do our grant aid stuff. So can you talk a little bit about what what's different, how that's going to benefit Wild Sheep, why it's a better program? Yeah, you bet. Well, our, our grant aid cycle is essentially begins uh, July one, and our emphasis this last year and the change that you're you're talking about is we're seeking bigger projects, more partners, and and you know, from the $50,000 up to the legacy pro projects funding that's maybe a quarter of a million or more. Uh, so that's what our emphasis is. And, you know, it really started with Gray just asking chapters and affiliates, you know, what do you need? If, I mean, if, if money was no object, what would you like to do? You know, I, I, I'm a little embarrassed that it, you know, it was in 2022 before that question was asked mm. and maybe not 2010 or 2000 or 1990 or something but the response has been fantastic and and uh you know our chapters and affiliates and as gray has said like they're they're the boots on the ground right wild sheep foundation doesn't have a, a state right i mean obviously we're based in montana but still we have we rely on uh you know our local uh, chapters and affiliates to be you know developing relationships with their game agencies so that they can they can be active in terms of pursuing projects, et cetera. So let's be proactive. Let's not just sit back and wait. Uh, let's get out and ask, what would you do if you had, you know, if money was no object? And the results have been fantastic. We had requests, I believe it was just over 1.8 million in requests mm. in 2022. We funded 1.22. We just added, that's a little bit bigger. We just added $25,000 at our board meeting on Tuesday approving uh, $25,000 in a, in a matching funding with uh, Yukon Outfitters Association for Wolf Harvest. So, uh, But yeah, let's, let's just be proactive and get those big projects and maybe some of the smaller ones will we'll kick back to a chapter and affiliate that's looking for something that's maybe more in their price range 
and uh, and then we can we can take you know a commitment like well like we did it in Nebraska you know we had we we took fifty thousand dollars seed money to help with their trap and transplant and test and remove and you know we challenge our chapters and affiliates and we turn that into one hundred sixty thousand yeah. and I mean that's meaningful meaningful yeah. money. And you're going to get some stuff done with that. So, yeah. So, anyway, we're excited. We'll see what year two brings. Um, you know, I, I really think this thing is going to snowball, and I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on our, our board of directors and staff to make sure that we're coming out of Sheep Week with, the, you know, with our wallet full of money, ready to spend and support uh, the, the agencies and the chapters and affiliates that are out there doing the work. Awesome. Yeah, really inspiring. And, you know, I'm really excited about this new direction. So you talked about these bigger projects, these legacy projects. What are some of the examples? Where is this money going? Who are we working with? What does that look like for wild sheep and who we, uh, where's that money going? Yeah, that's a great que- question. Well, the 1.22 million uh, is actually over, would be 15 different projects. Uh, so, I mean, that, you know, use do some basic math. We're averaging that's about $100,000 a pot. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're in U.S., Canada, and Mexico. I mean, just a few. We're, we're going to ship $250,000 up to you guys in B.C. to do a big burn. Uh, so, yeah, two, just over $250,000 for that. I think we're, we're on, on the hook for 100000 to support the additional years of your Fraser River project. So there's 350000 going up to our friends in BC. That's phenomenal. Gray's talked about this in the past. More money's gone to BC than any other jurisdiction in the world, um, you know, um, over the years, right? And it, phenomenal support. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's incredible, I, you know, that. And there's there's tons of worthy projects, and uh, it's it's phenomenal that the support there. But I know one you're passionate about is this ION initiative. So talk, tell me a little bit more about that one. Yeah, that's a new initiative we have uh, with Idaho, Nevada, and Oregon. You know, they share some California bighorn herds uh, along their borders, and, and they're not doing very well. And so, you know, I really think it's it's a reflection of the success of the Hell's Canyon initiative with Idaho, Oregon, and Washington, and what's been going on there for about 27, 28 years. And so now they, they're bringing the players together uh, on in that California bighorn area to – get some projects done and lined out. I think they're going to start with some some uh, captures and get some you know radio callers out there so they can uh, figure out exactly what the population is. They'll do, do some sampling for, for disease, et cetera. But just a great example of what collaboration and relationships can do to benefit wild sheep. You know, if those, if those three states have been managing their herds really independently and just have been kind of spinning their wheels so now they come together and i know they had a big meeting here this week i wasn't able to attend but another exciting example of what we can do if we collaborate so yeah my understanding is you you started your you cut your teeth in the not-for-profit world through washington wild sheep right that was your first not-for-profit gig right and you know rose to the ranks you you know president and then came to national and um so that uh hell's canyon is real that's a passionate project and you were probably involved in that in the early days i, I would imagine eh? yeah still still am and we we meet uh twice a year and uh you know i'm either in on zoom or if i can make it in person uh to to do that but yeah i've i've been involved with that i, I drew a bighorn tag in, in washington state in 1995 and so that's really when uh Fanaz, uh 
came to my, you know, came into my world. And, uh, you know, a few months after I harvested my ram, we had an all-age die-off. And so then, you know, that issue, I learned a lot about that issue. But I've, I've had students on probably a half a dozen uh, captures. You oh, know, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, right where we, we, the school I teach at is right on the Snake River. So, you know, they'll, you could go to our baseball field, what was that, two weeks ago, and watch a helicopter net gun and sheep. Uh, oh, so, cool. you know, it just a, a great way to get involved. And, and again, you have the, the state agencies, you have the federal agencies, the land, you know, U.S. Forest Service, BLM, et cetera, and then tribes. And you have them all at the table, and they've, you know, it's been just unbelievably successful. And, uh, we, you know, it's reflective in those populations now. I mean, about two years ago, uh, it took 25 years. So as of about two years ago, you know, Hell's Canyon is MOV free. Not by an accident. You know, a lot of money and a lot of hard work put into that. So that was on the backs of test and remove mainly, or was there other stuff they were doing there to deal with the disease issue? How did they get around that? Uh, yeah, the test and remove. So that's where the, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I don't know if there was other uh, research entities that were, I'm sure were doing things as well, but they they picked a, a few herds as their controls and that, you know, and a, and a couple other herds where they went in and, and they captured those use I think three times over two years and if they were positive twice they were removed and the, the you know they're they're not always successful and I think you're seeing that right you've had some ups and downs with the Fraser River but all in all I mean it, you know if you keep modifying and adapting and being better at that that I think the overall success of it uh, is going to be amazing so when we're seeing that our our lamb survival uh, in the meeting that we were at last month the lamb survival in the hills canyon herds up north there's still one down south that's separate but that's not doing well but everything up north is just off the charts and you know if you have good lamb survival i mean it's amazing that you know your population you know might double in you know five six years if yeah. you can have 50 percent, 60 percent lamb survival through the winter so that's pretty that's pretty precipitous climb and and all of a sudden, there's a lot more sheep out there and a lot more hunting opportunities as well. Well, it must be inspiring for you. Greg's been involved with the Fraser River Project. He heads up our lamb counts every year and every spring. And, uh, you know, the thought of the Fraser River coming back to 2,500 or 3,000 sheep or whatever from the 800 now or w what it was a few years ago, pretty exciting, eh? Oh, yeah, it's definitely, you know, getting out there, doing the counts, and then you're, you know, people get excited when they see a big ram. Well, now we're... You see the lambs after the winter, and that's that's where we're getting excited. We're starting to see good recruitment numbers, and in some areas, and we're going to continue doing that work. We'll be capturing sometime within the next month. Here, we'll be back up there with a drop net and volunteer opportunity for folks to get their hands on some sheep. So it's it's exciting to keep moving forward with that project, and we truly appreciate all the the funding you guys have been giving to us for it. It's makes our lives a little bit easier, and we can just get our hands on the boots on the ground and get our hands on sheep and yeah I, I think that's great and you're welcome and you were talking about you know the money going to bc and and uh again to compliment wild chiefs decided bc and your work you're putting you know some pressure on us right, right. we got to open up our wallet and and uh and i really I'm really impressed with what you guys do on all fronts you're engaged politically you're engaged and we're talking about habitat we're talking about disease uh, burns, predator, you know, it takes all of that, right? Mm -hmm. There's no silver bullet. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, well said. Yeah, we've been talking a little bit about that lately too, for sure. Um, 
I was going to ask you about, um, oh, interesting, you know, I was talking to our, the Wild Sheep Foundation uh, Secretary, Larry Jacobs, and he said they're doing so well in Hell's Canyon now, they want to start sending sheep up north. And, you know, he talked to us and said, you know, are there opportunities up there? Because, you know, they've been so successful with the test and remove that now they're, ha they're looking at maybe having to do some, you know, ewe hunts and stuff. And they might as well start moving sheep around if we can do it, right? So, you know, I, d I don't know how that's going to work out for us. We in BC have sent sheep all down, you know, the west coast of the U.S. right to multiple states. So, and now we're the ones hurting. So it's, it's a, you know, typical of our wild sheep family. We are a family, right? We're just always supporting each other, and this is just another classic example. Well, I would be uh, thrilled to send some sheep back to British Columbia, as you said. You've you've sent them all over the western U.S., including Washington State. And in fact, you know, the, the town where I live in that herd that's right there, uh, the state had done a couple of small transplants, say, in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. It really didn't go anywhere. But in 1997, we got uh, 11 or 12 sheep from Spence's Bridge. And and that's when that herd took off. Hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, that I, I had students on that that release. That was pretty cool uh, way back when. And, and uh yeah, that herd took off, did really well, ended up, you know, with a little MOV here with, within the last six or seven years, so we don't have it open for hunting, but uh, I don't know, 2012, 2010, our state record was taken out of there, and, and again, that came from the catalyst there was Spence's Bridge, hmm. so thank you, British Columbia, and we'd love to pay it back. Awesome. Okay, so I'm going to segue just for a minute. I wasn't going to do this till the end, but um, so... Washington's killing some giant sheep these days. Like uh, new state record three years ago, three years ago, two years, two, yeah, two years ago. Um, and uh, Bailey and Landris, your your guide outfitting company's been a big part of that. You guys, I think, have been guiding these giants. So let's talk about the quality of sheep that you guys are growing in Washington State right now. Yeah, you bet. And it's again, it's reflective on the health and improvement of of herd health. You know throughout our state we, we have some issues with our california bighorns that we're trying to clean up and uh one of the projects that uh, wsf is funding is some test to remove in the central part of the state but yeah as a side gig i mean i make my house payment with a, a teaching job but uh brian bailey and i we have our own guiding business and you know we had some great clients this year um we a couple of really nice uh california bighorns one gross 175 that archery one hasn't been officially scored yet but it'll be 173 174 wow uh yeah just a tremendous ram both of those old rams one of them was was 10 and one of them was 11 wow so awesome. it's pretty awesome and our hunter you know he, he told us that he he harvested the third biggest ram from the group but it was an 11 year old wow he's <laughs> like I, the biggest one was the younger one he said I, I can't. I couldn't shoot it. I, I want. I want the eleven-year-old. Hats off to that gentleman. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's hard to do, man. Like yeah. that. Yeah, but huge. Hopefully, yeah. he goes back and gets an opportunity next year. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. we'll see tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll have another chance at the tag tonight. Oh, is he in the building <laughs> bidding on the yeah, tag oh, yeah. tonight? Oh, yeah. awesome. So, uh, yeah, and then we had a you know our we have limited Rocky uh, Rocky Mountain Bighorn opportunities, but uh, we have a Washington State Rocky Mountain Bighorn raffle, and we had that that hunter this year and. That's one that we hunt uh, out of my house there. You know, I live live in the southeastern corner of the state where they are. And that was a really special hunt. I've been fortunate to be on some amazing hunts, but this gentleman had never hunted sheep before. And, you know, got into the application game maybe three years ago. And I would say he's probably probably my age, around 50 or so. And so, man, about you, you, 
you British Columbia guys really can't relate to this, but when you start into the sheep world applying at age 50, it's a tough go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, that, that's going to be a tough one. But anyway, you know, you have your name in the hat, and he draws it. And, and the cool thing is, is the first day that I talked to him, uh, you know, the, he won it that morning and then called me that evening. And in that span, he'd already mailed a check to Washington Wild Sheep to join as a life member. Awesome. And he'd went on WSF's website and joined as a life member uh, of WSF as wow. well. So, Beautiful. Uh, yeah, I brought a brought a buddy out with him, and we we waited and, and did that hunt in the rut, and uh, we had a ram that we've been watching grow up, and we turned him up, and and uh, once once Ryan saw that one, we we had to turn our his ammo back over to him. <laughs> so we had to hide it for a few days because every good ram we looked at, he was like, "Oh, that's a, that, that, one. that one will work. That one will work. Nope, nope, nope. We gotta we gotta find another one." So, yeah. So anyway, we just had that ram officially scored last week. Grossed 185 and 5 eighths and netted 184 and 6. That's a giant. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Good one. So what's the state record? What did that one end up scoring? Two, it netted 202 and 4 eighths. Wow. Official. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what do you credit it to? Like obviously healthy herds, you know, disease, you guys have sorted that out. And is it, have, has there been habitat work? Like a lot of good forage for them? What's, what's the key takeaway? I think that's it. It's, there's been nothing intentional for habitat work, but. You know, it, the canyon was really emptied out in 1995, 96, 97. So habitat forage was has been way underutilized. And so now that we have some lambs that are surviving, you know, they, it, they've got just amazing feed. And uh, typically mild winters, you know, they can usually get a bite of green grass, you know, 355 days out of the year. That so helps. That helps. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and we've got just some tremendous rams coming up you know we don't have a lot of older class rams because it just seems like you know with the on the heels of this test and remove things are really starting to snowball in terms of lamb survival and so lots of two three four five year old rams Hmm. so it's exciting you know we're hoping to add some more draw tags and you know i I spoke uh, a lot with the gentleman that drew uh one of our draw tags he's 79 years old been applying in washington for 36 years or something and uh, yeah, he took a took a great nine year old ram this fall as well. So, huh. very cool. Yeah. Well, we had that membership meeting this morning, and it was interesting. I think it was uh, Terry Myers from uh, Colorado stood up and talked about some of the work they're doing there, and they're seeing huge recruitment. Now they're getting there's more sheep tags out there, and uh, so you know the work we're doing uh, in these different areas and Wild Sheep Foundation chapter and affiliates, it's making a difference, and it's creating new opportunities for new hunters, and pretty exciting, inspiring work, really. Yeah, absolutely. That was great. Uh, and we had a few other reports from other chapters and affiliates. And and the nice thing was the spontaneous cheer when they finished their report. I mean, yeah. every, we're all rooting for each other. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm probably never going to hunt sheep in Colorado. Yeah. But uh, it's just so exciting. And, again, that's just the strength of our chapters and affiliates. Yeah. Yeah. Great collaboration. And, yeah, truly the whole family thing we always talk about. But it... I feel it's pretty real, and I've never felt that with any other organization I've been a part of. And like Craig was talking about that on the podcast yesterday. He's like, yeah, once I showed up in the sheep world, it was like, okay, this is home. This is where I want to be, right? Yeah. So it's, it's neat being a part. You talk to all these folks in the show right now, and it's hard to find someone that's just a life member of one chapter. Everybody seems to have one, two, three, multiple chapters. There's people that are trying to be a life member of every chapter and affiliate. Like, It's an, it's an incredible feeling 
it's, it's definitely a family, big family. Absolutely, and and I want to give kudos to Gray Thornton on that. Uh, what are we? We're going to be up to what chapter affiliate number? What fourteen? Maybe I should something? know. I'm in charge of that, but I don't know the number to be honest <laughs> with you. I was fortunate to be at the first one. Is that right? Yeah, and okay. we we flew into to Cody, so whatever that was, a dozen or fourteen or fifteen years ago, and at that meeting, uh, and there was maybe maybe twenty of us, huh. and uh, you know the. The chapter and affiliate summit looks a little bit differently. That was a lot more roundtable, and and Gray, you know, dropped the phrase "one tent, one campfire," and that's really where that was spawned. And you see it today. You're right. I mean, to me, life members, that's it's it's some kind of addiction, right? It's like, yeah. I've, okay, I've got one. I got to have a second one, and then I got to have a third and fourth. And that's it's great. And just the support, like, hey, what's what do you guys have going for raffles? When's your banquet? And we just have this contingency, right, that's moving around, supporting each other. And, uh, you know, I just think it's critical we keep that going. And I think the way we do that, it goes right back to, to my, you know, main focus as chair is telling our story. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, if we can, we can show off what we're doing and, uh, you know, uh, share those successes and share the failures. Like, yeah. like I said, it's not necessarily about what we're doing, but it's about what we're not doing and what we need to do. Yeah, it's cool. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned Nebraska, 160,000 raised there in a matter of 25 minutes. And then the previous year, and this was a big one for me, and I know you were passionate about it, but uh, it was Nevada, and we had all these bighorns. They were uh, desert bighorns. They were um, running out of water. They were uh, dying of thirst and uh, dehydration. What, what's the word? They were dying because they couldn't get water. And uh, what did we raise there? It was like 85,000 in a matter of a few minutes. And, like, I, we literally th saved thousands of sheep on that. I think the final tally on that was just over 182,000. Oh, that's right. It was 180. That's right. And, yeah, and yeah I mean, kudos to the fraternity in, in Nevada and all the water work they do. And, I mean, I'll never forget, you know, Clint Bentley, who's been around this for a long, long time, standing before our group. You know, and talking about it's it's literally life or death for these desert bighorn sheep and the severe drought that they've had. And, you know, in, in 10 minutes, we had 150,000. And then, you know, as other some representatives had to go back to their chapter and affiliate and get official uh, support. And then we had some other come in. And uh, I mean, yeah, it was just inspiring. I mean, Clint stood up there. I'll never forget this because to me, he reminds me of my grandfather, you know, just tough as nails, you know, probably hasn't you know shed a tear his entire life and he stood up there and watched that happen and and the tears were welling up in his, in his eyes and uh it was unbelievable i'll never forget that yeah it's it's inspiring and you know we've talked about this at our board level is that you know we, we sent money down to that and we were the ones that didn't commit it originally because we weren't here we couldn't get i think that was in lewiston wasn't yeah, it? it was yeah, yeah. and uh, i'm still sick about missing that because we we had the the board meeting at your your place, which sounds like yeah, I really missed out. But uh, <laughs> I won't go into details, Wayne. But uh, um, but you know that that's you know I think we sent ten thousand dollars down to it. You know our mission is to look after the wild sheep of BC. But I'll, I'll tell you, you know, if we can't look out for each other during these times of need, and because we're going to need it one day back, there's going to be something in British Columbia where we need a lot of support, and we're going to need it. Um, we have to support these other, and it's funny, I, I thought we might hear something from our membership. We we shared what we did, and I thought some people would say, why are you sending money to Nevada? I didn't get a word back on it, which is pretty cool. People get it. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, that reflects on your membership and the kind of people that you guys are, are getting in Wild Sheep Society of BC. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure most of them are seeing that everybody's given to us as well, so it's it's going both ways, and it's it's nice to be a part of, for sure. 
yeah. No, it's been good. I know you guys this last year made a couple requests while Washington Wild Sheep Foundation uh, with some smaller projects and kicked right in. So, Yeah, very cool. Really inspiring. So there was a couple things we did. Uh, the transmission uh, film and the website. So you guys were part, Washington Wild State was, Wild Sheep was part of that. And then we did, uh, and a, this was a land acquisition in uh, the Okanagan region. And uh, we reached out and Garrett and Andy jumped right on board and, and supported. And so really cool. But uh, the one thing that's really inspiring to me, Glenn, is that um, we've had a lot of disease issues in uh, the Okanagan region. So seropathies and a few other things going on there. And we're seeing declines in sheep. And, but they're cross-border sheep with Washington State. So we've reached out to you guys. And every time we reach out, you're like, yeah, we're on board. Our state agents talk to their state agents. And they're like, we don't have capacity. This year, they're telling us they have capacity. And that's really inspiring because you had three people at the table wanting to do something, and the other group just wasn't quite ready. They're just busy with other stuff. Now they're ready. So I think some really cool things are going to come out of that. Yeah, that's exciting. And we, we, we both have our respective uh, fundraiser banquets in March, and so I think that's going to be a great story to, to, to share as we lead into that and generate some support. Very cool. Okay, so the foundation does a great work of promoting uh, youth. Uh, Dr. Ryan Brock does a fantastic job. Uh, we do a fantastic job, in my opinion, of new hunter recruitment. Less than one club is uh, hugely successful. We send This year, I think we're sending seven new sheep hunters on their first sheep hunt ever. So that's pretty cool, get kicked out of that club. But this year, we got a new program going on. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Tony's program and, and what's coming down the pipe on that? Yeah, you bet. Well, you know, one of the... One of the downsides of what's going on the last few years is just the, the steep escalation of, of hunt prices. So, um, you know, hunter recruitment gets pretty difficult when a doll sheep hunt is $35,000. Uh, so, yeah, Tony Caligiuri on our board. Again, it's that think big, be bold. Uh, so he's come up with this, what he calls the Ram Layaway Program, where we can get some hunters to apply and uh, you know we'll we'll go through that application process, and then we're going to rely on the experienced sheep hunters that maybe have a little more treasure to share. And uh, so it's really it's kind of a cost-sharing sheep hunt. So it's going to be a way to get a first-time sheep hunter into the mountains. They're going to have some skin in the game, so it's not necessarily like less than one where they're just going to win a hunt. They're going to have a you know a plan where we get them on a three-year plan and three-year savings. But we're going to get donors to help underwrite. Uh, that that it costs. So hopefully it'll bring it down a little bit. And we, I mean, we talked about it at a board meeting Tuesday, and before we left the board meeting, Tony already had his first donation check and an outfitter willing to put a hunt forward. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. So that's the the rollout is tonight. So I mean, obviously this will drop after that, but uh, more to come on that. It's really exciting. I think Again. it's a great program, and the outfitters they're seeing it too, right? That you know these hunts are just you know stone sheep hunts are going crazy, right? And they're Look at that going, oh, okay. So, um, you know, having having an opportunity for young people to still get involved, and uh, it's it's great for everybody. Guide outfitters love it. Uh, certainly, the, you know, young hunters love it. And I know there's a lot of guys that want to keep giving back too, right? So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah, you bet. Epic. Epic shit. Epic uh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So, you yourself, we've talked a little bit of sheep hunting. Last time we had, we had to get in school. Where there's no school bells going off, <laughs> but we are... Uh, we are live at Sheep Week, so there's some noise in the background, which is cool. We wanted to have that effect. We could have recorded this in the hotel room, but the floor is buzzing. It's fun to be here. But for you, Glenn, you've uh, you've got your, I think you've got one finaz, right? And you're yes. well on your way to a s second. Where, where do we sit with that? What do you got left to do there? Oh, 
Well, I have a lot left to do. <laughs> yeah, no, I finished my Fanaz in 2002. It's a Desert Ram from New Mexico. I won the state raffle that year. That was my fourth Ram. Uh, since then, I've taken uh, another a BC Stone, uh, a couple of Fannins from the Yukon, and a doll from the Yukon. So I've got two dolls, two Fannins, two Stones, one Rocky, one Desert. So I don't know how that shakes out for additional finaz but i think you're pretty close man yeah i need another uh, another big horn and another desert would be too cool but yeah i i the thin horns for me are so addicting i mean i love that country and the first time i was on your podcast i talked about it every every day that i've been in british columbia alaska the yukon hunting i mean i'm sitting there asking myself like or saying to myself like i can't believe i'm here yeah I, i can't believe i'm sitting here looking at this hunting sheep so yeah that country hum- humbles you when you're oh, out there yeah it's, it's amazing yeah it's beautiful so i don't have a sheep hunt on the on the books yet but i need to i mean that's right. critical to my weight loss program <laughs> <laughs> is uh, yeah i gotta get a sheep hunt book so i'm like okay now i you know Very cut a little cool. weight go get in go, go get in shape do a little more extra hiking so i'm ready to do that uh, I just haven't decided what it's going to be. Well, and my understanding is you just quite often you go up north and uh, there's a couple outfitters that you you know you hunted with and then you go and help them out in camp and just to be in the mountains too, right? So um, any of that on the horizon? I know you're super busy as chair, right? As chairman, you're and I think last year you kind of wanted to do that. You were even talking about coming up to Jurassic, but you've you know, you've you've poured your heart and soul into this position and it shows. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I I do plan on going up to the Yukon this summer. There's some you know, uh, outfit I think is going to change hands, and I, I said I'd come up and help mow airstrips and fix cabins. And I don't have any skills, but I'm out of school in the summer, so I got to have something. So I won't hunt. I won't hunt this summer. I'm just going to go up and enjoy the Yukon and take my dog and go hang out up there and help him out for a few weeks. So I, I hope that that happens. So I'll be uh, radio silent, Mr. Vice Chair, <laughs> and I'll, I'll turn the gavel over to you so you can do the dirty work while I'm while I'm gone. Oh, cool. So changing hands of uh, outfits, do you want to announce it on the podcast or should we get Wayne on to do it? No, yeah. <laughs> no I, I, I'm not ready to announce it just yet. I, I need to make sure that they've signed on the dotted line. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, there's a bit of an inside story there, I think. Yeah. But anyway, um, cool. Um, so Okay, so for you, um, let's talk a little bit about your experience. Uh, you know, you're obviously a very experienced mountain hunter. Um, you had that first, I think it was a New Mexico bighorn that you killed on a $20 raffle tag or something like that. So talk about today. Has it changed for you? What's important to you, you know, are, you know, you as a new sheep hunter versus a, an older sheep hunter? Um, you know, is it different for you now? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that's a tough question. That's it. Or you for still sh- got the same drive? Oh, still I, like, I do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I, there for a while, I, I've been able to, you know, book a hunt and, and go north about every three years, and and I, I'm a little, I'm, I'm getting a little uh, fatigued by the draw systems, you know. I mean, the states really jacking up prices, and so and I'm not being critical. They can do whatever they want. It's their, you know, it's their their management that they're working on. But it, but at the same time, I'm like I. You know, the reality is I'm probably not going to draw, you know, a desert tag in Arizona or Nevada or Utah or whatever, even though I've got a pile of points. So I, you know, I'm, I've kind of gotten to the to the point where I'd rather just use that as a deposit, yeah. right, and, and, and get it. You know, it's I turned 52 in November, so it's time to, you know, the, the mountains aren't getting any lower or flatter <laughs> or whatever, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, what's changed with me? 
Um, I mean, I can't get past my love of Northern Canada. Um, and my business partner, Brian Bailey, he's a, he's a big world sheep hunter. And, I, and I'll tell you, I was close to diversifying. <laughs> he was in Pakistan with a client three weeks ago. And they were hunting, you know, a number of different species. They were they were hunting Blandford Uriel that particular day, and and a sind ibex. I don't know if you're familiar with what a sind ibex. They're to me they're the most beautiful ibex. And I've not hunted. I've been to Mongolia with a client, but I've never hunted ibex for myself. And so I I'm texting Brian as he's hunting in Pakistan. I'm like, when when you guys you know hunting sind? Well, we're gonna do that next. And, and Brian wasn't there to hunt. And so I'm like, you know, I would hunt sind ibex. And he's like, well, let's do it. Let's, you know, when we get back, let's book a hunt. Let's book a hunted sheep show. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. The very next day, <laughs> he sends me a picture of the client with a beautiful 46-inch send. And there's Brian with a beautiful 41-inch <laughs> send. And I was like, holy cow, I can't believe, you know, Kevin killed two send. Well, actually. <laughs> so I was like, I had a, I had a trip to pakistan planned for 18 hours and now it's gone so yeah. uh, i funny. told him i didn't want to go to pakistan by myself he he does a lot of international travel in fact i i always say he has to apply for a visa to come back to washington <laughs> i i love watching brian i've got to know him through you and just a great guy and um his muskox hunt i think it was a greenland or something and just yeah. you know watching him hunt this muskox he was perched up on these rocks and just a beautiful scenery and to walk, watch that beast t- tip over it was just and the, the look on his face and then uh, then the herd came running up towards him he, he was kind of celebrating and they, all of a sudden they're standing out in front of him. it was pretty cool so yeah, yeah. he's uh, he's a great guy i enjoy working with him he's he and i have both been on the washington board for 25 years still uh and you know he he likes the diversity of chasing different species you might have to get him on your podcast someday to talk about that i'd love to yeah uh and for me i i got stuck in northern canada i can't get out there might be a little bit of a need for a big gray sheep there that keeps me coming back for more yeah yeah so you know you look at that like the stone sheep and i know i think part of it for use the country i've heard you talk about that you don't get that same thing with a marco polo or something like that in in southeast asia is it is it because of the experience that i know you connect with the people up north too you have such great friends in the guide outfitting community and outside there too but certainly the guide outfitting community yeah I mean, that's a great question because there's some beautiful high mountains everywhere, right? Yeah. I was fortunate, I don't know, whatever it was, five or six years ago to spend 25 days or something in Mongolia with a client. And, and it's amazing. The people are amazing. And I'd like to go back. But uh, that's probably where that, you know, that big gray sheep thing, you know, I'm, I'm 50-50 right. to go do something else. But, uh, yeah, in the people. Like I said, I have great friends and, you know, scattered up through. I mean, the last time... I, I, I hunted sheep for myself was 2019 in the Yukon and uh, my hunting buddy from Savannah, Georgia flew out and, and I picked him up part way and then we drew, so we drove all the way. I mean, it's 39 and a half hours from Dawson city to my doorstep. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so I, you know, a couple previous uh, guys that had guided me before that live in Northern Alberta, I s- spent the night with them and, you know, had some rye whiskey, I guess, as you guys call it, and maybe <laughs> a, some good Alberta beef on the barbecue that night. But, yeah, the people and, and the places, you know, I think that's what's important to me uh, for a sheep hunt or any kind of hunt. Yeah, right on. Um, so with Bailey and Landris, so let's talk a little bit about that before we wrap up. Uh, what do you guys got on the books? You got any uh, hunts booked out this year? What's going on? You waiting for some draws? Yeah, we, uh, well, tonight our auction tag sells. Right. You know, our, our really our focus 
just because of the permitting system, the outfitting permitting system in Washington is not very outfitter friendly. Okay. Um, so we're, our primary target is uh, is our auction hunter, which is for California bighorns. And then our state does have three or four different raffle tags. Some are uh, statewide, some unit specific. Um, and so, yeah, we get we get some we find you know some folks that are looking for beautiful big California bighorn sheep, and you know go get in this raffle or you know our, our Rocky raffle as well. So that's kind of our business model. And then you know Brian gets to do all the fun international travel because I'm stuck at school or on a Zoom with you for a <laughs> wild sheep board. So. So uh, the system works a little bit different in Canada. Like there's guide hunting, uh, guide outfitting tenures in, in BC uh, in Alberta. But it, you guys can, like you were looking at other states and stuff like that too. You can guide other places, right? Yeah. In, in Washington, I mean, it really depends on in other states. It depends on the land ownership. You know, there's, in every state's a little bit different. Uh, we have some, some areas in Washington state that are exclusive guide use areas like you have in BC. Right. Um, we don't have one of those areas uh, and really probably don't need one for where we want to hunt. Right. Um, so the permitting system is, that, you know, we can get a special, apply for special use permits, et cetera. Hmm. So, but, you know, yeah, we've, you know, one of our good hunters, Alan Smith, you guys have had on the podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Legend. I mean, he, yeah. he bought Washington auction permit, I don't know, four years ago or something like that. And, and then uh, a couple years later, he bought Oregon. So we just went with him. They, he, you know, Sheep Mountain Outfitters conducted that hunt, but we're all good friends. And awesome. And uh, yeah, we just went along. So yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, so to wrap up, we're just. I came by the booth here. We were in the membership meeting, and uh, were you here when Cammy Cunningham's dad came by? Yes. So I guess they've been listening to the podcast. So tonight, uh, Legacy Night, we're showing a film. Uh, Cammy Cunningham is thirteen. And she uh, completed her finaz. So, 13-year-old girl, youngest girl ever to complete a finaz. From what I understand, she actually had three of the sheep at 10, and then COVID messed it up. So, she ended up having to wait three years. She would have had her finaz at 10 or 11. I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it, three, two, three years earlier. Anyway, um, I guess they listen to the podcast, or at least her dad does, it sounds like. And uh, so, it sounds like we might be able to get Cammy on the podcast here. And so, we're going to see her film tonight. Um, she was at the Ram Awards uh, yesterday. We all seen her get an award there, and just a crazy, crazy. I, well, I'm not going to ruin it. We're going to listen to her tell the story, yeah. but uh, pretty excited about. It. So, you know, that's what the Wild Sheep Foundation does. It celebrates people like that, brings us together. You know, we wouldn't hear this story if we didn't have Sheep Week, right? So, it's pretty cool that we're all here and able to do this sort of thing. And uh, yeah, just gets me up in the morning. That's for sure, Glenn. So. Yeah. Uh, well, that's exciting. Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I saw the you know some of the pictures at the awards yesterday, and obviously this young lady's been getting after it. So yeah, that's yeah. exciting that she's going to have a video. Well, and I know with Women Hunt, um, Renee was. I think she's on Renee's panel for Women Hunt for Sheep Week, and uh, doing some work with them too. So just you know, that's that's new hunter recruitment, man, and and you know hitting that. You know, we talked about Women Hunt before on the podcast and stuff. So. Pretty cool, and uh, yeah, just all the way around, it's just a great story. So pretty excited. So future podcasts, we'll have to listen out for Cammy. But uh, anyway, Glenn, appreciate all you do. Excited to continue to serve with you and just appreciate all your leadership. Any parting words for Sheep Week or our, our members out there? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, just thank you, I guess. When, when this drops, Sheep Week will be in a rearview mirror. But as I said, uh, it's not the end. It's the beginning of what we need to do. And, I, I mean, again, I want to say how much I appreciate what Wild Sheep Society of BC is doing, 
And, I mean, you guys are just ramping up and getting after it. And, and I love the pressure it puts on us. Right. Right. And, and other chapter and affiliates as well. I mean, we're going to have our, our spring transition meeting is going to be in Boise in conjunction with the Idaho Wild Sheep Foundation Banquet. I've been going to that one for 20 years uh, off and on. And what that, what that banquet has done in the last five years and what they're doing, raising money, and what they're doing on the ground is inspiring to all of us. But so lots of those positive examples out there. And, you know, we're going to come out of Sheep Week, I think, with a lot of motivation. And we're going to, you know, uh, have a chance to meet face to face and rekindle those friendships and, and, and meet some new folks that we can collaborate with and do epic shit. Absolutely. Can't, can't say anything more than that. We'll end it there. Well done. Awesome.